Welcome to Talking Pictures. My name is Christian Gensel. I'm a filmmaker and film journalist from Salzburg, Austria. Talking Pictures is a podcast series in which I talk to the people who made some of my favorite movies. Today's guest, however, is not a filmmaker, but his best-known work is closely connected to one of the most popular movie series of all time. It is novelist Rob McGregor who wrote the novelization of Steven Spielberg's third Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and then went on to write six more original indie adventures shortly afterwards, starting with Indiana Jones and the Peril at Delphi in 1991, and then continuing with Dance of the Giants, The Seven Veils, The Genesis Deluge, The Unicorn's Legacy, and Indiana Jones and the Interior World throughout 1991 and 1992. Rob also wrote many other novels, including the Will Lancer Young Adult series, which started with Prophecy Rock in 1995, and the Nicholas Pierce series, which started with Crystal Skull in 1991. He also published many other mysteries, adventure stories, and science fiction and fantasy stories, including Seventh Born and Tulpas. He wrote books together with Peter Benchley and with Billy D. Williams, and he wrote novelizations for movies like The Phantom and Spawn. He also wrote numerous non-fiction books, many of them with his wife Trish McGregor, including books on synchronicity, psychic powers, and paranormal mysteries. In our conversation, Rob recalls his early days as a writer and his journey into the world of Indiana Jones. He talks about working on the various indie novels and the connections between the stories, the input of George Lucas and Lucasfilm, the popularity of the indie books, and some of his influences in terms of mythology and writing. The interview was conducted in connection with our German-language podcast Lichtspielplatz. So if you speak German, please visit lichtspielplatz.at and check out episode number 64, which features an in-depth discussion of the Indiana Jones novels by Rob McGregor, Max McCoy and Wolfgang Holbein. Also, make sure to listen to my interview with Max McCoy here on Talking Pictures, the novelist who continued the Indiana Jones novel series with four more books in the late 90s. If you enjoy my conversation with Rob McGregor, please visit TalkingPicturesPodcast.com to check out more interviews and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. So, without any further ado, here is Rob McGregor, who is unsure whether he should reread his indie books after all those years. I've been told I should, that they're pretty good. <laughs> they are, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but but, but when, once I start reading, I, I just... A couple of things, I think. I think... Uh, did I really write this? And then I think I got to get I got to get busy with my stuff, you know. <laughs> so, but I am uh, surprised how I was able to just uh, plow into those one after another. Every four months, I had a deadline, mm -hmm. and uh, I would get one out. Next day, I would start on the second one, and the wow. next one. Uh, and four months later, I <laughs> had to be had to be ready. I did that for four books, and then they said you want to do a couple more, and so it gave me a contract for two more. Uh, and then as I finished that sixth one, actually seventh, because I adapted Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, I said, I need a break from this. I want to do something else. And they immediately hired somebody else to take over the series. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I'm happy with those uh, seven books. And then eventually they came back and offered me the chance to adapt uh, uh, I think it was the sixth version of the Indiana Jones game, uh, the um, Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings. And uh, I did that, wrote it. And then 
there was confusion about when the game was coming out and when uh and they said well it's the game won't be out so the book won't be out for a while and then suddenly the game was out and they said oh the game's out we're not going to publish the book now because we wanted to bring it out at the same time as the game. Mm. And so it just uh, went into hibernation for years. It became the, the lost Indiana Jones novel. Mm. It's kind of fitting that the Indiana Jones <laughs> world also has sort of an artifact, like a, a lost novel. <laughs> right. <sense>. Yeah. <laughs> now it's kind of been unlost. It's uh, out to, in, uh, as an ebook and, uh, as uh, audio that I recorded the audio and mm -hmm. uh, it's free of charge since I don't have the rights to the book uh, you know it's it's uh, Lucasfilm and uh, Disney own it but uh, I've been waiting for them to come to me and say take that down <laughs> you don't own it <laughs> nobody said anything so it's just, oh, okay so it's doing doing all right but you know it's uh, it's I, I relate to it as like a fan novel you know they put up fan novels online and, mm -hmm. uh, and so in in that reference uh, it it uh, it seems to be okay although I was I was paid uh, to write it, uh, but they just didn't publish it. Hmm. Mm. But that must be frustrating, right? When you sort of you put so much work into something and that never sees the light of day. I mean, until now. Yeah, right. Uh, it, you know, and people were uh, coming to me year after year. Uh, can you can you print out a copy of that? I want to I want to get it. Uh, and finally. A couple of real ardent fans that I, I, I sent them out to, and and they apparently uh, sent it out to two or three. I guess there were like six copies of it out. I, I heard, uh, and then I said, "Oh, I might as well just you know bring it out myself." And mm. uh, so that's that's how it started. <laughs> wow, the retrieval of the lost artifact, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> So let's go back a little bit to the beginning of um, your journey with um, that leads you into the world of Indiana Jones. Um, I read that you have you had a, an interest in archaeology, um, but you decided against studying archaeology and you studied journalism instead. So right. what was it that drew you to essentially both of these fields? What was it that interested you? Um, I was always curious about the ancient past, and uh, when I was in high school, I think it was ninth grade freshman. We all, everybody had to write a paper on the uh, career they wanted to pursue. And uh, I was the only one in my school who decided to want to be an archeologist. So I uh, wrote, wrote that paper and, uh, and presented it uh, to the class. And, uh, and then when I got to college, I started taking anthropology classes and, um, uh, it was going okay, but it didn't quite feel right. And then I, I took a, one journalism class and I realized that was it for me, that I could see with journalism, with a, a career and a job afterwards, where after graduating with uh, a degree in anthropology and to become an archaeologist, it meant uh, more years of study. And uh, you know, there's uh, you know not that many at least at the time, there were not that many archaeologists, working archaeologists in the world. And it just seemed um, like a, a better fit for me 
as uh, a journalist. And what I would do is uh, get a job and work for a year, year and a half, save my money. And then I still had the same interest with archaeology. And so I would uh, save my money, quit my job and take off to go to the ruins in Mexico, South America, Central America, Europe, North Africa. And I did that uh, for a number of years. And so I, I never, which, which meant I didn't uh, uh, proceed that rapidly in my career as a, a journalist, although, uh, you know, I would always able to find it, find another newspaper job when I got back. But uh, yeah, it eventually, I, I just began thinking, I've got to break out of this. And uh, the only thing I can think of doing is uh, becoming a freelance writer. So I started uh, you know, putting out query letters and uh, sold the article here and there, but not making much money. And then I was still working at a newspaper when I uh, interviewed my person who became my wife. And she had just, uh, she had the same goal to get out of her job as a as a teacher, she worked at uh, Florida International University, and she was teaching English as a second language to Cuban refugees at the time, which is mm -hmm. what I was writing about. And um, so we got together and we thought we both wanted to be freelance writers. And uh, we had about $5,000 saved and we, we both quit our jobs and headed out as careers. <laughs> And uh, so, of course, that money didn't last that long. <laughs> uh, but uh, somehow, we we started selling articles. Uh, and, but the the we were selling them, but the money was low and slow. And uh, so we both took part time jobs and for a year. And uh, Trish, uh, when I had met her, she had just finished her sixth unpublished novel. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she had, for the past six years, she had written a novel every year. And so this last one, I think she had about 23 or 24 rejections of it. And she gave it to me and I read it over and I suggested some changes. Uh, she re, uh, rewrote it and gave it to her agent. Uh, she was fortunate to have a literary agent that was uh, staying with her all this time. It was uh, thinking that she was going to you know, break break out uh, and sell a novel, mm -hmm. and uh, so I think it was to the twenty fifth or twenty sixth publisher it was sent to. And back in the early eighties, there were a lot more publishers than there are now. They're all kind of merged together in, uh, in New York, uh, and so not as many opportunities uh, as there are now in, in mainstream publishing that is and so and she uh she was able to sell it and uh shortly after that uh i got a uh a job uh writing a nonfiction book for a corporate ceo in washington dc and uh we quit our part-time jobs and uh that was about 90 or 85 80, 84 85 fall and uh we've been mm -hmm. at it ever since Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow, that's a great tribute to tenacity. And... Yeah, right. <laughs> just, just kept at it. We didn't know what else to do, so <laughs> and we, we we enjoyed writing. So, yeah, when you're passionate about something, then it's just something right. I think you have yeah. to follow. Yeah. yeah. 
And so how did you become involved with writing the novelization for uh, the third Indiana Jones movie? I, I heard, I read that you weren't that familiar with the world of Indiana Jones when you were offered the job. Is that right? That's right. I mean, I'm, uh, well, in a way I was because I, I had done a lot of things like Indiana Jones travel around and gone to uh, uh, sites, uh, uh, ruins, uh, archaeological sites. But the the agent who offered me the job uh she didn't know that and the publisher never knew it uh that uh my background and that i had uh started out with an interest in becoming an archaeologist they didn't know that it was because i had uh i had written a couple of uh novels that were based on a television series uh that uh, was supposed to be a big hit because it was uh, the producer of Miami Vice had this new hot, supposedly hot series. And Trish and I had written a nonfiction book called The Making of Miami Vice. And I guess mm -hmm. it was that connection. They offered me to uh, adapt uh, a couple of the scripts, uh, which I which I did. I, I did one. And then they said, the agent came to me and said, the the other writer who's doing this series has just quit uh and i need this book really fast do you think you could do it in six weeks and i said well i'll try and i uh i managed to to do it and get it out and the uh by the time the books came out the series didn't exist anymore so they were <laughs> uh, they, they they didn't do that that well but anyhow she she said uh she thanked me and said how would you like to write the adapt the script of the next indiana jones novel or indiana jones movie i said sure and so that's how, that's how i got into it and you know it wasn't like i was in a lot of competition uh that they were looking at you know a half dozen or a dozen writers it just you know, was handed to me and a very fortuitous situation you know and mm -hmm. I'm sure there were a lot of other writers who would have liked to have stepped in there at the time, but it's a case of being in the right place at the right time. And, you know, when you're starting out you, uh, writing, you, you don't have all those contacts and, you know, you, you think, oh, this is never, never going to get anywhere. But, you know, as you keep plugging on and uh, you tend to, you know, step by step making those contacts and just uh, for me, it was just being in the right spot at the right time and then uh indiana jones and the last crusade became a uh, new york times bestseller uh and they said oh you would you like to do some original indiana jones novels and that's how it got started they uh they offered me a contract for to write four of them and you know they're very open about how how i wanted to do it but uh, uh george lucas said make it the 1920s before the movies so in the 1920s was a very interesting decade too. So uh, historically, and it was uh, so that was uh, that was fun to do uh, and to work in some of the characters like Al Capone and uh, mm -hmm. uh, in Chicago and uh, so. Uh, but you know, but it stayed, of course, with the theme of uh, Indiana Jones with the uh, artifacts and the pursuit of uh, the different uh characters who wanted to uh take over the world and uh indy's uh fight against them and his his love uh his love interest that he meets along the way for better and worse 
I find it interesting when you're saying that um, you got a contract for four books, and then um, I mean, when you when I look at the books, all of them sort of form um, a whole concept that ultimately leads to the sixth one where everything is connected where um there is sort of a like all the uh, all the threads come together of all the different mysteries and yeah i mean even in the first book you have sort of you set up some of the stuff that only um comes into play in in the later books like for example indiana spirit animal which um is mentioned in the first book in the oh. uh, parallel at delphi and then it comes into play in the unicorns legacy yeah, um, so yeah. how much of that how much of that concept did you did you write beforehand and how much of that developed as you went along it, it just developed as i went along i probably uh, couldn't come up with any new ideas so i tagged something from the past <laughs> <laughs> that's probably how it worked i don't remember but <laughs> but it, it seemed to work out <laughs> Wow, I was so sure that you know you planted <laughs> all those um, those moments there in order to you know um, yeah no, have a payoff not, in, in one not, of the later books. Not not at all. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't work that way. Uh, um, I would they would uh, ask me for uh, a very slim outline of what uh, each story was, and some of them they would reject. Uh, but most of them they had no problem with. It was like I would write about a page and a half, and that about it. Uh, most of them uh, were accepted, and uh, and I did uh, write one about uh, Crystal Skull, and George said, "No, we're not going to do Crystal Skull," which I guess <laughs> he was kind of hanging on to that one himself. <laughs> uh, and also uh, when I first began, my idea was to start with an old Indiana Jones. And uh, he's an old guy, 92 years old. He's got an eye patch and a cane and a little dog. And he starts talking and uh, introducing the story, basically. And then, then the story takes off. And then at the end, the epilogue, we come back to the old man is kind of wrapping it up. And George Lucas said, nobody wants to see an old Indiana Jones. Take that out. <laughs> <laughs> so then a few years later, uh, he comes out with a television series called The Young Indiana Jones. It begins with an old Indiana Jones in his 90s. He's got an eye patch, a cane, and a little dog. And uh, <laughs> ah, that looks a little familiar. <laughs> I guess it wasn't <laughs> such a bad idea after all, but, you know, but uh, I'm working for him, you know, and uh, it's, uh, you know, so I, I just, you know, very happy to have, you know, the opportunity to contribute to this uh, legacy of Indiana Jones. And this uh, mm -hmm. is uh, kind of a unique hero uh, and somebody who's, uh, lives will live on i think how would you define indiana jones as a hero he's uh somebody who's he's an archaeologist he's somewhat skeptical but he's interested in the mystical but when he gets to when he gets close to it it's it's too much he tends to back off from it and so that that's the He's not a perfect hero by any means. Uh, he has shortcomings, which makes for a, a good hero, I think, uh, because if you're if you're too too perfect, then it's you know not 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 believable. He's a believable hero, is what he is.
Mm. Uh, you have an interesting quote in the in the first book uh, by I'm, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this correctly, Thucydides, um, where you write, "The bravest are surely those who have the clearest vision of what is before them, glory and danger alike, and yet, notwithstanding, go out to meet it." Um, so. I kind of had a feeling that this was sort of like a setup for introducing Indiana Jones as a hero. Yeah, that that uh, that sounds like uh, his his technique, his his approach to go face the danger and see if he can uh, deal with it and uh, come through with uh, the goods. How much did you study the films? I mean, obviously you were familiar with The Last Crusade um, having adapted the, uh, the screenplay, yeah. but uh, did you also look at the first two films to sort of find out yeah, what the essence of his character is? Oh yeah, I, I watched the films a couple of times uh, each and I fell into that character pretty well. I mean, I, it was easy for me to write, uh, write Indy. And I, I've heard that uh, a couple of the other writers who, who did it uh, who, who took it up don't quite sound the same whether they don't sound like my the Indiana Jones that I followed but um, people have said that the way I wrote Indiana Jones was very similar to the how they see the character in the movies it just seemed to be something that uh, I was you know able to understand that kind of quirkiness about him mm. and pursue it. Did you have a concept about his character development um, over the course of those six books? Well, I mean, I in the Last Crusade, I expanded on his his youth and uh, where he went on a vision quest, uh, which is not in the movie at all. And he had an experience a mystical experience that mm -hmm. would would follow him the rest of his life and uh in in his pursuit and it was interesting with the indiana jones last crusade they gave me a a script of i think it was 112 pages and uh, i had to turn that into uh like a 65,000 word novel and you know a lot of those pages have camera directions and you know uh, and very few words uh on them so i had to uh you know get more into the character's head indy's head mainly and uh, come up with some additional scenes so i expanded the story and then when i saw the movie well uh spielberg did just the opposite he uh, he took that script and condensed it, took, taking out scenes. So to me, the movie went really fast. I mean, there uh, uh, there was stuff in the script that wasn't there, and of course there was a lot of stuff that mine that wasn't there. And I uh, I just thought, well, I wonder if are people going to like this uh, movie? You know, because to me it just whoa, <laughs> it just <laughs> went by really fast, and uh, there it just felt like there's stuff missing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the pace is, is is somewhat different, but of course it's a different medium. So I think right, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm doing one right now. In fact, I'm adapting a, a script, and you know it's the same situation that uh, I have to. You know, this author, this scriptwriter wants to be wants it to be seventy to seventy five thousand words. So 
again, I need to, uh, or I have been adding adding scenes on that one. So mm -hmm. that's the uh, same, same process. Yeah, that was always fascinating to me when to, to read the novelizations of movies that I loved to see mm -hmm. um, sort of to find the stuff that is different in the novels, to, to the stuff that was added or the stuff that sort of diverges from the movie, just the little differences right, that sometimes yeah. happen because it's a, an early script version or sometimes because the writer has a, a slightly different idea about a certain scene. So, yeah, most people think of, uh, you know, the the uh, it book to movie not movie to books <laughs> you know it's uh, yeah. and they're surprised sometimes to find out that it also works the other way and uh there have been some that have been uh, some in the fantasy world that have been expanded upon uh the uh the movies and you know been quite uh, successful in, the, in their own right don't ask me for a name though <laughs> <laughs> You added a couple of characters to the world of Indiana Jones that sort of became very important in this uh, prequel era, um, let's call it that. And I think the most important character is the character of Deirdre, um, the woman whom Indiana Jones eventually marries and then unfortunately right. dies by the end of the third book. Yeah, I um, had to kill, I had to, I realized well, I got to kill her off because Indiana Jones is supposed to be married. <laughs> and uh, in fact, uh, you know, there's some co controversy about that uh, in the the Indiana Jones Bible. There was a person who actually had a job <clears throat> working for Lucasfilm in the uh, creating the the Indiana Jones Bible for uh, before the fourth movie came out, and uh, I met with him uh, and others that were involved in uh, that movie. But but at the time I was involved with just starting with the adaption of the, the game and so it was it, things were overlapping there and uh but this person who is the the head of the bible he was very upset that uh i had had indy married and he said that wasn't supposed to be that way <laughs> nobody said it what nobody told me not to <laughs> but, and unfortunately she didn't live long yeah, but she's she's really a great character. I mean, it's it's really sad to see her die, and um, yeah, yeah, such a great companion to Indy on his adventures. Right. And yeah, just in terms of how he reacts to her, I think is interesting because I mean he's a younger Indiana Jones, and he he really becomes nervous when she talks to him uh, at the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. I thought it was a very interesting trait. Yeah. And he is a character I created, his buddy uh, from the past named Jack Shannon. Mm -hmm. uh, that you know, it's it's one of the things that uh, novel. Everything can't be in the, the main character, the protagonist's head. He's got to have somebody to play off uh, uh, a love interest, of course, but also a buddy character is uh, very useful, and that's how Jack came in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's. Kind of like uh, a combination of a couple friends of mine from the past in Minneapolis. That's how I created him. Mm, I see. Involved in the musical industry, mm -hmm. music industry. Yeah. Also, jazz musicians. Uh, one of them was, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it, it just uh, you know came into play in creating uh, 
a character that that character who he was uh helpful for moving the story moving the pace of the story ahead mm-hmm. yeah and with the genesis deluge uh, yeah he kind of goes off uh on a uh born again christian thing and indies said wait a minute this is uh jack what's going on with you and uh, it's <laughs> uh if there's anything there's any myth that's uh, uh, not true, it's th- that uh, that knows Eric is real, that uh, uh, India was very skeptical about that beginning. But the, that, that book, I think, probably sold more than any of the others, and I think had an interest uh, that captured an interest from from that uh, that audience that uh, believer of believers and uh, you know, I would, I would even getting telephone calls from people that uh, ministers and that, and I said, I'm really not in that, <laughs> wow. that kind of person. Sorry. <laughs> that was one of the characters, but <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> Did they want to talk about the concept of the Auric? Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and they had their own ideas, of course, for uh, more biblical, uh, biblical related novels, but you know, I was, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, one can sense in all of the novels that you know a lot about all of the, not just the historical uh, parts of the story, but also the mythology, all the, uh, the the concepts and the legends and everything. Was that something that you researched while you were writing the books? Or was it something that you had sort of in your backpack all along because of your interest? That's a combination but as I also forced to do it by George Lucas, he said, don't create any fake uh, myths or uh, mythologies. Use ones and, and artifacts that are actual artifacts. Don't mm-hmm. create, don't make up any uh, artifact that doesn't exist. Uh, so that was, uh, you know, the one of the main things, one of the few things he told me at all about, the, uh, you know, how to write these stories. And after that, you know, I was pretty much on my own. Uh, you know, nobody was looking over my shoulder, editing, you know, my story ideas. Once it, once I just turned in the page and a half and they liked it, left me on my own. You know, I think the, you know, in the beginning, especially, they uh, they just thought that these novels were just uh, a marketing tool for the movies, and they didn't really do anything like the Star Wars uh, novels. They promoted them, and they came out in hardcover. My Indiana Jones novels just came out one after another. Not a word, not a single a bit of promotion about them. So they're mm-hmm. kind of a secret thing that came out, and people are looking for them, wondering when. The, you never read anything about them. <laughs> they just they just can't show it up at the bookstores. <laughs> Yeah, two a year. (laughs) It's interesting because I mean, they fall into this era where there was so much merchandising about Indiana Jones. I mean, you mentioned the the TV series and there were the computer games and everything. So, yeah, 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 you'd think they would have put some money behind the books, but they never did. But, you know, they they still sold pretty well. And I think that they sold rights in. I think 14 or 15 countries. And I know there's a Russian version out too, because somebody just told me they read uh, one of my indie novels in Russian. I said, well, 
they never sold the Russian uh, <laughs> translation. <laughs> they, somebody just did that on their own <laughs> was, <laughs> illegally. Uh, China is also. Uh, I don't know if China did the Indiana Jones novels at all, but they they did a couple of my other books that you know great good news and bad news my agent said the chinese are coming out with uh uh, uh what there's a nonfiction book uh on on color divination and uh she said the bad news is you're never going to see a cent from them mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's too bad but yeah i know that especially when it comes to indiana jones i mean the fans are um i think so interested in uh you know, sharing that, that uh, sharing the content. I mean, right, yeah. Um, there have been actually eight uh, Indiana Jones novels uh, in Germany written by a German writer. Um, right, yeah. That were translated in several other languages, but never uh -huh. in English. Oh, really? <laughs> and I don't know why. And just recently, uh. I found English translations of all of the novels on the internet made by fans. Just, oh, right. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. it's interesting. I mean, that's that's a yeah. pretty that's a huge undertaking right to translate an entire novel just you yeah. know, to share it with somebody else so right yeah and not, especially we're not making any money from it just uh, uh love of the story and the fans yeah i remember that uh when uh i mean i did sell i think four at least four of my novels to german uh the rights to german And uh, I, I remember being told that, well, they, they have their own writer because um, the situation with uh, Indy and his, is uh, not, the, not the greatest friend of the, the German people of a certain era. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know how, I don't know how uh, the German author dealt with uh, that, that whole saga. <laughs> They're actually all set, um, or almost all of them are set in the, in the era where the movies are set. So uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, several of them, you know, feature the Nazis as uh -huh. the villains and, okay. um, you know, Indy's going out looking for Excalibur and he's um, finding a, like a Norwegian ship from the Northern mythology and he's going huh. to the Easter Island. And right, so there's yeah. some overlap with some of your stories. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned that last one that is saying that it kind of tied together everything. That was the least popular one because it, uh, it got into a little bit of the inner world, uh, uh concepts and uh a lot of readers and indie fans don't see indie as th quite that mystical <laughs> you know mm -hmm. he's he's more of a uh three three-dimensional uh hero uh i think that if i i've looked at reviews and that that's the the least popular of the the ones that have been mm -hmm. uh, published over the years one of the things that uh I always wondered about was why aren't these novels available as eBooks? So I started asking about that. And what, what happened was when I got to the right people, their response was not to turn them to eBooks, but to take them completely out of print, <laughs> you know, which was what? watch, watch what you ask for. <laughs> It made them look on, considering how, how well the novels are doing and, you know, just taking, taking completely out of print. So that was a surprise. And, uh, but I, you know, I've been very 
grateful for uh, having written these books and uh, being paid to write them because they're very enjoyable to write. I really uh, uh, had had fun writing them. Uh, and, you know, I finished, the, I think the last one was published in like late 1992, and I continued to get uh, royalty payments uh, uh, twice a year from both domestic and foreign. Mm -hmm. Japanese were very, uh, paid quite a bit of money for those books. I was surprised. And uh, so that was, that was nice. And then along came a uh, decision to sell Lucasfilm to Disney, and suddenly, no more royalties. <laughs> they oh. just, just dried up, disappeared. Nothing happened. So then I, uh, uh, I knew the books were still selling, and that I should be getting something, you know. And that, uh, so it took me a long time working, uh, contacting different people, and finally I got a hold of a Disney accountant who was an Indiana Jones fan and had read all my books. And he said, I'm going to track this down. You know, it took him like six months to figure it out. And he, he, he got all my back. Uh, it wasn't that much, but he got my back uh, royalty payments. And, uh, and I've uh, continued to get something about once a year now, but uh, you know, it's, it's always a surprise to, you know, I mean, <laughs> those were written a long time ago, <laughs> 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it does have a long, it, the whole Indiana Jones uh, story or premise, I think, has a long life. There's something that... Yeah, I th I had thought that they would bring the books out again with the new movie coming out, uh, but uh, apparently mm. not. Uh, they only brought out one, which, uh, The Army of the Dead, and that was really panned by fans uh, as like the worst Indiana Jones novel ever written. <laughs> That's the one they brought, brought out again. Uh, maybe because the army of the dead sounds like it's about zombies or something. I don't know. Mm, yeah, it does. Some, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. interesting how much that has changed. I mean, also when you tell me that this person at Lucasfilm was kind of uh, worried that, you know, um, that Indy was married in the novels. Um, I, I, I get the feeling that maybe Lucasfilm or the people at Lucasfilm were more, let's say permissive uh, back then. Um, so they just said, okay, well, this is something that we can use to expand the world, but right. um, we're not gonna look at it this much in detail. And I think nowadays, um, all of this stuff becomes so precious to so many people, you know, to fit into the chronology of uh, what's already been established and, right. um, you know, whether something uh, belongs to the canon of, the, the story that they established and, and so on and so forth. So maybe that's yeah. why they're afraid to, to, you know, move along with that. Yeah. I know it, uh, it's, uh, I'm just, uh, grateful. Like I said, that, uh, I was able to do those and I don't know if there, uh, somebody said that there's new Indiana Jones novels coming out. Uh, and one of the fans mentioned that to me and, Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's that's true. I haven't seen anything about it, but uh, it's uh, the whole fan thing is very interesting with Indiana Jones because uh, there's Indiana Jones fans and there's Star Wars fans, and the Indiana Jones fans are they always they always told the the publisher editors told me. Indiana Jones is not as popular as, as Star Wars, uh, but the Indiana Jones fans are very into it and <laughs> uh, and 
much more committed than the Star Wars fans, actually. And people have rooms and museums in their house uh, dedicated to Indiana Jones and collect all this stuff. And they got to collect the exact uh, uh, hat and jacket and pants and shoes, you know, and the the Wembley gun and uh, it, it can't be... It, can't be takeoffs, you know, uh, fakes. It's got to be the same ones that were used. And they, they would pay a lot of money. And I, maybe they still do, you know, uh, in these these collections. And some of them have like three or four jackets. And of course, the whip, you know, it's got to be the the correct whip. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I mean, that's something to learn from all the Indiana Jones novels is that a whip will always come in handy. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a, a tool that you, you wouldn't uh, associate with an archaeologist, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but it's handy for swinging on vines or swinging from different uh, objects to get from one place to another from mm -hmm. time to time. <laughs> oh, that's done. I'm not sure, but... <laughs> In the computer game uh, for, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, you could actually use the whip at the end to retrieve the Holy Grail. You know, when the when the Earth opens and the Grail falls down, oh, right. and it, it yeah. just lies there on this little um, oh you know, okay uh, down on the rock, and you can Indy can't reach it, but you can use the whip, and then you get back the Grail. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> what are some of the influences that you that you had in terms of other writers when you were um, creating the stories you know i've had an interest in mysticism all my life uh it's i'm not a religious person but i'm a spiritual oriented person and i'm uh, i've also been very interested in the primitive world the world of uh, native american mythology mysteries and uh, and related to shamanism, which I've pursued myself uh, some over the years. And uh, so uh, I was a very big uh, fan of Carlos Castaneda's uh, books that came out uh, in starting in the, I think, the mid to late 60s. I was in college when I started reading them. And, uh, you know, very controversial, but uh, he's... Uh, archaeologist or anthropologist and uh you know, he actually his first his first uh book was his, his phd thesis and mm -hmm. you know they're written as nonfiction, but a lot of people consider them fiction i consider them kind of a mix uh of the two and uh, there's always the question was don juan a real person or was it is carlos's imagination so Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the first four especially were influential to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that was, uh, that was a, a major influence. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I read a lot of different writers and, you know, I'm not sure how many of them have really, uh, I tried reading some of the old uh, adventure novels from the thirties and forties and, uh they're interesting but uh, they didn't uh, really catch catch my attention that much and influ mm -hmm. influence me but yeah i mean the interior world has i think very much an arthur conan doyle 
player and maybe a Jules right. Verne um, yeah. Yeah. kind of right. approach to the story. Yeah. yeah. In the, at the beginning of, the, of your novelization of The Last Crusade, you have quotes by uh, Joseph Campbell from um, The Hero with a Thousand Faces and also by Carl Jung, I think, from his, um, well, not his autobiography, but his collection of dreams and memories. Mm -hmm. uh, were those two influential on, on your writing? Yeah, uh, the um, power of myth, Joseph Campbell, very influential. Joseph Campbell was interviewed actually at Lucasfilm headquarters when it was in Northern California, and they had a uh, big campus in the. Anyhow, uh, at the t uh, when I went there, I was in that that library where uh, and doing some research where. Joseph Campbell was uh, interviewed there in this beautiful library and this winding mahogany staircase going uh, going up and uh, it, uh, and all these books. It was, it was really fascinating. And the uh, Skywalker, it was called Skywalker Ranch. And at that time when I went there, you just drove in there. This was, you know, before 9-11 and there was no security at all. Mm. In fact, you know, I was wandering around in that campus trying to figure out where to go. And, uh, you know, it was just uh, you know, very free form. And finally, I found the person I was I was supposed to meet and, and I was taken to the library there. I spent some time. But uh, then I went back after 9-11 and the, the new campus in San Francisco. And, oh my God, what a difference. Uh, it was like a college campus in a way, all indoors inside. And you had a badge and you would walk about 500 feet and there would be security check you and you'd go another 500 feet and to another branch and there would be more security there. Mm -hmm. Very different and, uh, you know, uh, I, I was glad that uh, I worked at home. <laughs> I mean, they had they had great food and a great lunch uh, place there for for their employees. But uh, you know, it uh, it it wasn't. Uh, I didn't find that environment that conducive to create mm. creative work. But mm. That was that's. But I've always worked at home <laughs> mm. since I left journalism. Yeah, that's always a good thing that a writer, um, the writer always has sort of his skill set with him and he can work anywhere and usually right. at home. Exactly, exactly. You're right. Yeah. Do you write on your laptop or do you write by hand or how do you, do you uh, outline right. your stuff by hand? Um, yeah, uh, now I'm doing something totally different uh, from what I was doing in years past. I'm, uh, I have written uh, about 23, 24 novels published. And Trish and I have written lots of nonfiction books, self-help books. And, but uh, the, the market changed and the editors changed and the agents became more difficult to deal with. And so we've gone into a whole different uh, uh skill set now that we we help other people with their books we uh mm -hmm. are basically uh uh ghost writers now and because you know my background uh 
uh, I worked through a British company called Reedsy, uh, who and people go to Reedsy that have interest in looking for a ghostwriter. And, uh, you know, the, there's, there's editors, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, editors who worked uh, for major publishers in New York, and there's some writers as well. And um, so I get uh, usually, I don't know, three, four different uh, opportunities a month. Of course, I can't take them all. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, like the the one I'm working on now is, is a guy, it's got a, an award-winning script that takes place in ancient Israel at the time of uh, the uh, a rebellion against the Romans. And it's a, it's a historical novel. It's a historical film. And uh, so I'm adapting that. And so what's interesting is each of these uh, projects are in areas that I have no knowledge of. And so I do a lot of research and it's so much easier to do research now compared to when I was writing those Indiana Jones novels, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, there was no internet then. And, uh, you know, I had to rely on a lot of my own exper- travel experiences. He went, so Indy went where I went uh, in a lot of cases. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I was also had experience as, uh, when we first started out, we were travel writers, and uh, and actually for a few years, uh, Trish and I led adventure tours to South America for for freelance writers, and uh, so uh, that uh, that last that last novel, uh, the um, uh, interior world, was influenced by some of those travels that mm-hmm. uh, that I did then but uh so so that's you know what I'm doing now and I, I'm really enjoying it uh you know my daughter said well don't you want to get back and writing your own stuff and uh you know uh you know I have one novel that I've been toying with but uh I'm just taking my time with it and going going where the money is basically mm-hmm. and uh you know this uh you know I can write a novel on spec and you know spend six or six nine six or nine months and then you know it it may not sell or somebody might offer me you know five thousand dollars for it well that's that's pretty thin wages for for that mm-hmm. amount of time so <laughs> and then you got to hope that it sells and you, you get royalties so uh this is uh uh for my point in my career, I don't need my name on on books. Although there's one I co-authored uh, recently with uh, I ghost wrote, and the guy insisted I have my name on it with him. So I do, mm-hmm. that that is one that I do. That uh, I like I said, I really enjoy doing this, and like I, I wrote a one novel that took place in uh, India in 1975 you know and so there is a lot of research needed mm-hmm. needed for that uh that uh again is uh a learning experience mm-hmm. yeah i noticed that many of your many of the books that you've written sort of tie in with um what you've written about in the indiana jones novels like the indian mythology for example the 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 nicholas pierce uh books are slightly in the vein of the indiana jones mm-hmm. um adventures sort of thing. yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh i did write uh some young adult novels that take place on the hopi indian reservation mm-hmm. and the uh 
so not being a native person myself, uh, the character I created it was somebody who is uh, his his mother grew up in a wealthy mining family in Aspen, Colorado, and the father is a uh, the first Native American police chief on the Hopi reservation. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he, he has a mixed mixed background. Uh, the second book actually takes place in Aspen uh, and and the reservation as well. And uh, so th that that's how I felt comfortable writing uh, writing that character. And he came uh, to the Hopi reservation as I did as an outsider because he 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 uh, the the two the parents were divorced he he grew up was growing up in Aspen so but he wanted to his father wanted him to spend time on the reservation to learn his other side and so he he actually uh, attends a year of high school uh, on the reservation and uh, has uh, a love interest and gets involved in a mystery and uh, prophecy mm. rockets called and that won the Edgar Allan Poe Award for best. Uh, mystery novel of the year for uh, uh, young adults uh, category. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one that's also been translated to, to German. There is a German uh, version. I think it's called Hopi Summer. Um, right. Yeah, I've, I've got a copy of it uh, here, mm -hmm. the German version. And uh, I, I noticed there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of interest of uh, Germans uh, in the uh, Native American legacy in uh, the South Southwest, uh, because uh, I spent some time in little uh, town in uh, near Four Corners called Bluff, Utah, very small town, but uh, there's a lot of archeologists that uh, work there and live there because there's a lot of uh, ruins and in, in that general area there. And uh, it, the Bluff, Utah is completely surrounded by the Navajo reservation. So, uh, mm -hmm. and he had a, a Navajo housekeeper who I got to know and got to meet her grandparents who lived in a Hogan out of the reservation. And so, you know, it's a uh, it's good good experiences uh, there. And and she became uh, the character in the uh, Unicorn's Legacy, uh, mm -hmm. and and so and so did Ed. Uh, and I had them with a, uh, having a, a romantic relationship, which wasn't happening at all. <laughs> he was like 40 years older than her, but <laughs> she was a little embarrassed by that. And she said, I've never read, I've never quite read a novel like this in my life, but it's very interesting. <laughs> and she's in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, with writers, you always have to be careful, right? When um, <laughs> right, at some point or other, something you say or something that you do or just some, some character trait <laughs> is going to yeah. appear <laughs> in your right. novel. Yeah. yeah. Are you looking forward to Indiana Jones 5? Are you going to see that? Yeah, I'm, you know, I've seen some little outtakes that look interesting, but, uh, you know, there's, I think there's been a, a showing and uh, the reviews aren't that great. I think it's like 50%, uh, uh, you know, that's like half like a half don't. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a Disney 
production, which is different. Uh, so mm. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. I mean, some people, uh, these indie fans are odd. Uh, you know, there's people who are, you know, won't look, won't go to that movie at all. And uh, because, you know, it's Disney and it's uh, mm-hmm. different. And then, you know, others are just can't wait to go see it. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, and, and of course the fourth one was kind of, co- was controversial too. And uh, some fans, uh, you know, uh, liked it and a lot of, but a lot of them didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's not, it, it's probably the, it used to be the second one, second uh, movie was the one that was kind of a downer, but I think the fourth has overtaken <laughs> overtaken that spot. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the fourth one came out, a lot of people said, no, but the first three ones, those were great. But <laughs> Right, yeah, the, that's, the, that's the legacy fans, <laughs> the first three. <laughs> I watch them over and over <laughs> and get excited about it. And uh, one of the thing, things, you know, over the uh, final comment here, over the years that I've had people writing me, uh, contacting me, uh, you know, asking me questions and that, and uh, 90% or 99% maybe are guys and who most of them re- read these novels in their teens and got interested in re- a lot of them say, t- tell me they, they got interested in reading books because of the indie novels, which is, mm-hmm. uh, which is nice. And, and uh, uh, two or three of them have, set, have become novelists themselves. And, uh, but there were, there's one woman who is uh, writing me often uh, asking me a lot of questions. She's a writer herself, but kind of a little bit annoying. Uh, and one day I thought, you know, this other guy who writes me a lot, they may, I don't know what their, their personal situations is, but I'm going to introduce those two. <laughs> and they both agreed to talk to each other. Well, they got to know each other and they are both big fans and now they're married. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. so, and actually, you know, after all these years, I was in a, a trip where I had to go through uh, uh, Georgia and uh, they live in a small town in Georgia. And so I stopped and I uh, had lunch with them. And, uh, you know, they were so <laughs> grateful that uh, I was the guy who brought them together. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, they're big fans of my book. So that was, uh, you know, she, the woman broke down crying. And <laughs> it was, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that, that was an interesting Indiana Jones experience. <laughs> okay, wow. thank you very much. Wow.